Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting five to 15 minutes where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Thanks for the great questions you post below on Facebook or Instagram. Today's question is uh, one I'm sure we have all dealt with at one point or another in my life, especially as parents. Fearing for someone in danger. Mike, how do we deal with loved ones being put in danger? My son is in the Australian Army and he's being shipped out to Afghanistan this week. I, I used to wonder this all the time. I remember asking Frank, uh, channeled by Tracy Farquhar, you know, I've got a daughter. She was at the time of the session, maybe two or three years old. And, you know, you can cover all of your own bases to the best of your ability, but how do you prevent um, just this, you know, the most bizarre thing, an abduction, a strike by lightning? I mean, Oh my gosh, you know, you become paranoid, um, but yet you're missing something fundamental when fear gets a hold of you like this. It's understandable. It's okay. Do not worry that you worry, okay? That comes along with the turf. Everybody's going to do some worrying, and that doesn't mean those thoughts are going to become things immediately because of your inclination to thrive, because of everyone's inclination to prevail. A little bit of fear here and there sometimes does more good than bad. Um, but here's what I have for you and anyone in this situation. The baseline is you and your thoughts create your life, not the lives of loved ones. For others, you can only love them. But that love, as we shared a week or two ago, send them thought, send them love, prayer, is so powerful. It is received. It gives them hope. It shows them their options. Okay. We pray not because God listens and says, well, you know, 42 people are really enthusiastic about this. Two and a half are kind of on the fence. I think I'm going to go all in. You know, God's, it, everything is unfolding beautifully, perfectly in the palm of God's hand, even though we can't see that right now. We're just strapped to the illusions with our physical senses and it's all or nothing, have or have not, live or die. And it is overwhelming emotionally, which is why we have this faculty to go within and get balanced, find calm, uh, align with truth, truths that I'm sharing with you right now. Understand that there is only order in this bastion of perfection as we are hurled through the cosmos on this blue and green marble. There is only perfection. There is only love. It is our distortion of these truths 
based on our over-reliance of our physical senses that tells us otherwise, that tells us that there could be a random lightning strike or a random car accident or a random lunatic or a random Taliban member who gets in the wrong place at the wrong time crossing paths with a beloved. Uh, our physical senses tell us that those things are all realities. None of them are realities. Be grounded in the truth that there is only order. Trust, therefore. Trust. You can take care of yourself and you can do your best to look out for others with a grown adult child who's signed up for, for preserving the dignity and the defense of a country. This is their choice and this is their honor and you must respect that and let them go in love. But if you will, trust and pray not for a desired outcome. Trust and pray for the perfection and order that already exists, that you see it, that others might see it, that others will be guided by truth, okay? Don't try to micromanage somebody else's safety. It'll never work. You'll feel like you've come up short. You'll feel like you've made a mistake if things didn't go well. Don't pray for certain outcomes in this kind of circumstance. Imagine it. Um, have faith in it, but more be aligned with the order that exists everywhere, that is giving everyone what they think about, teaching everyone their lessons in circumstances that will reveal to them their power. In a sense, your prayer will be gratitude. It will be thank you. It will be appreciation. And imagine the warm embrace. Imagine the future. Whenever I would have a fearful thought of something happening to my daughter, I would switch the thought in my mind to seeing her walk across the stage at some, you know, graduation ceremony as a young adult. Uh, it would just give me comfort. But I'm not trying to micromanage. I'm not trying to, you know, change uh, the stars of her incredible adventure in the heart of God. She's here for stuff that only she knows and that only she can give herself. And this is what we must understand is true for everyone else. Trust the order. Send them off with love. Let them follow their heart, whatever that is, high ideals or, or, or whatever. Um, and realize that in the blink of an eye, the lights will come on. We'll all see the truth. We'll all have a good belly laugh and we'll say, let's go back. Let's go back into time and space and we'll be best friends. And I'm never going to let you lose the faith and you help me stick to my guns. Okay, fellow adventurers, tricky question, tricky illusions. See through them. Know the truth. There's only order and love. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Great question today. Where is the order and love in Haiti and Afghanistan? This question came on the heels of the live broadcast I did a few days ago when I was talking about fearing for someone in danger. And I said, whether you see it or not, there is only love, order, and perfection everywhere. Hence the question, what about Afghanistan? What about Haiti, where they've just had the earthquake and these tropical storms plowing through? Just horrific circumstances. More specifically, Mike, 
Can you help me understand why these innocent people in Haiti are suffering so much? And all those poor people in Afghanistan, including the children. And the random acts of violence that we read about or hear about in the news. I just can't find answers for these things. Please help me to understand. This is a... a, a big nut to crack and nothing I'm going to say is going to put a smiley face on the truly hideous and ugly things that happen all over planet Earth every single day. But what I hope to do is put that stuff into perspective. All right, so here we go. We chose, every single one of us, that we are of God, by God, pure God. We existed prior to the illusions of time, space, and matter and that we now find ourselves in them As a spark of God, there's only one explanation for our presence here. We had to have chosen it. So we chose to be alive in this realm, these sacred jungles of time, space, and matter, where we knew in advance there would be free will. We wanted a free will system to discover our power and see the infinite possibilities that truly exist. We did not choose to be born with a silver spoon in our mouth. We did not choose to live in a realm where only our positive and empowering thoughts become things. It's like we probably did that a few million times and it got old. And we're like, what would happen if anything was possible? If even the ugly could show up. And we thought about that long and hard. And we realized that, wait a minute, this is just a fleeting dream. This is not us going off to reality forever and ever. This is all going to be playing out inside the heart and the mind of God Almighty. How bad could it be? Oh, it could be really bad. But it may as well be ketchup, tomato sauce, blood, as Richard Bach said, in the book Illusions. Not that it's not gory, not that it's not painful, not that it's not disgusting, but it is fleeting. It is not reality. And in the blink of an eye, we wake back up in the palm of God's hand and we're like, oh my God, I thought that was so real. And it is not the ugliness that we will remember the most. It is the beauty and the love that is everywhere. And just because we chose to come to a realm where there was total free will and people could choose absolutely anything, no matter how vile and disgusting, never meant that any random thing could happen to any random innocent person. Oh my gosh, no. Anything and everything that does happen in this bastion of perfection and order is shrouded in love, is perfected, a portion of perfection is a perfected order and does come about in order. It is ugly, but it's fleeting. And yes, there is love. Love is the glue that holds it all together. And random crap doesn't happen to random people. Now, why would somebody choose to be in a war-torn country? Why would somebody choose to be born on a fault line? There's lots of reasons you've got to realize, I'm sure you do, uh, in many cases I'm preaching to the choir, that just because a life might might end because of an earthquake or it might end because of a roadside bomb doesn't mean that everything else in that life was a waste. It doesn't mean that there wasn't love. It doesn't mean that there wasn't family. It doesn't mean that there wasn't probabilities and inspiration and creativity. Yes, maybe there was famine. Yes, maybe there was disease. Yes, maybe there was a, a whole list of other problems. But each of us 
saw the stage we were about to be born onto, and for reasons that were valid and empowering and beautiful, shrouded in love, we chose then, there, now. Yeah, I might die at age five because of Hitler. Yeah, I might die at age five because of a tsunami. But those were probabilities not set in stone. And there were countering reasons to be born into that family because you've loved them forever and they've loved you and you grow well together and you're going to have all kinds of different splendors perhaps before some of those probabilities may play out. Plus, then you consider sometimes people may choose a lifetime to be a model, to rise above, to show a new way. Or maybe sometimes people will choose to be in harm's way so that others won't be in harm's way. I mean, the list of possible motivations is as infinite as there are people who incarnate. And when you consider that these are just decisions for a fleeting dream called life, suddenly they're less brutal, they're less painful, they're less uh, mysterious. After that lifetime, that could be, okay, you know, some easy, cushy life in some easy, cushy part of the physical universe, maybe where only their positive thoughts become things. But I bet you they come back here. I bet you they want the full deal. I bet you they want the every possibility available to them. And that's why we're all here. In spite of the pain, in spite of the struggle, in spite of the confusion, in spite of the unintended manifestations that we find ourselves creating, even though we don't know we're creating them, these lead us to our power and ultimately a recognition and an understanding of the beauty that prevails everywhere. There is hope in Afghanistan right now. There are There are volunteers in Afghanistan right now of the spiritual realm, angelic and incarnate, who are there entirely rising to the challenge of bringing a new world order into one of the darkest parts of planet Earth. Dark for confusion, dark because there's no light, dark because a base primitive energy has prevailed and brought about chaos, even amongst the beauty and the flowers and the family and the joy that exists even in Afghanistan, even in Haiti, even in the dark times. Plus, that we are not in those countries right now. We have an an opportunity to make a difference. How? Not that it's easy, but send love, send prayers, raise your own vibe in your own neighborhood, in your own sphere of existence. And by everyone seeking love, joy, inclusion the world over the vibration and the light on the planet goes higher and higher and higher and suddenly in darker more confused parts of the world the light starts getting in so if you can send donations send donations the united states tried to be a bright light in afghanistan it was a pretty uh poor attempt uh, and perhaps maybe created more chaos uh than it helped but we are able to make a difference privately with our thoughts, with our love. Some of the other tune-ups when I said send them send them light, send them a thought form, send them a love bubble, a balloon. I know that sounds uh, like 
like it would hardly make a difference to a starving child in some poor country, but it does make a difference. And there's more going on than meets the physical senses. The solution is you raise your own vibe where you are and to any degree that you can, if even possible, reach out, send a donation, Red Cross, Red Crescent, whatever. Um, be the light you wish to see in the world. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, the question today is one that has shown up in a number of different ways. It's super deep. Um, so let's have some fun with it. How do we evolve spiritually after death from lifetime to lifetime? Specifically, Mike, what parts of our soul or our personality, if they're different, remain the same throughout different incarnations while we are on the other side in heaven, etc.? What parts of us stay the same no matter whether we are a man, a woman, living in poverty, affluent? What parts of us remain the same for eternity if we are always learning, growing, evolving, incarnating, in different lifetimes. Similar to another question that I've often got, finally have a chance to speak to, do we start over with our learning in every incarnation? And if not, then how come we don't typically remember past lives? All right, this does uh, presume that reincarnation is a fact. Uh, it is truer to say it's a fact than to say it doesn't exist, but it's not what we think it is. Um, others have said, and I'll uh, share. Uh, it's like the tree is the soul and the leaves are the lifetimes. And it's not linear like we think they are. Yet, uh, when you're in time, it's as real as can be. And there is a subsequent life from the perspective of time, yet all are happening simultaneously. I don't need to take that tangent other than to tell you that, yes, reincarnation is very, very real. More real than it is non-existent, um, but a little bit complicated. So now let me dive into the question and give you something that's a bit, uh, it's going to make you think, I believe. Our soul, our essence, our spiritual anchor, if you will, does not evolve. God does not evolve. Evolution, as we understand the term, means that we're going from a lesser to a greater. God is full-blown. Nothing could ever diminish from God unless God played with perspectives and fleetingly chose to believe in the lies of here versus there, now versus then, have versus have not, time, space, and matter, and then game on. And in the game, there is an evolution of the perspective that chose to be existent in time, space, and matter. But yet the overall big picture of God uh, does not evolve. Okay, Growth is different than evolution. And what God does, divine mind does, is eternally expand um, by creating a space through thought and imagination that God will then inhabit as if God wasn't everywhere always at once, and check out every nook and cranny. But yet, God, in the deepest, truest sense, is everywhere always at once. The past, the present, the future, God does not evolve, and neither do our souls. Although the word soul, you may say, please define that. You know, it's just our deepest spiritual conscious essence um, prior 
to our personalities um, coming into play. And let me give you a little bit of insight on that. Our personalities, oh my gosh, they do evolve. What are our personalities? Our personalities are the structure and the byproduct of our beliefs. We are lenses to divine intelligence. You and I and everyone else, we are this lens or this filter through which God comes through. And the exact same force of animation here is the same force of animation in you. It's the exact same God quality, divine intelligence, that pours through all of us. Yet, we have different experiences, different manifestations, different perspectives because of our personalities, which is a function of our beliefs. Our beliefs are significantly handed to us by our parents, our culture, our society, which is why we choose very carefully where we're going to be born and who our parents will be. And they correspondingly uh, chose and accepted us for, our, for the likely probabilities that would emerge on the stage that we then share. So our beliefs are something that exist once we are in the illusions, once divine intelligence goes to fill in this thought bubble that was earlier imagined. The entry point comes with this filtering lens that makes the experience different for every single incarnation. And every one of those incarnations then does evolve. You and I, we do evolve. Not, not just as physical beings. And that whole idea of evolution being our source is totally wrong. Um, you know, evolution does not explain our presence here. Evolution is something that happens once we arrive. And it's relatively minor compared to our existence. And theoretically, we were initially amoebas and then we learned to swim and walk upright and crawl out of the ocean and that's not how we got here. Um, there was, there is spontaneous creation and then from that point there is a minimal physical evolution and then major spiritual evolution. And where does the spiritual evolution take us? It takes us to a place uh, uh, from reacting to the world around us. That's where we begin reacting as if the world existed prior to us and we are secondary until we ultimately realize that upon our arrival, we were streaming manifestors. And once we have this wisdom, uh, fear is diminished and to a very real degree, desire is diminished. You realize you're totally provided for everything you want, you can have. Uh, nothing riles you. You drop the narrative of, I got to go here and be this and do that and make things happen. You just exist and suddenly life becomes really easy. Uh, and then at that point, you know, you pretty much been there, done that, and you're finished with time and space and you go on to other realms of exploration as the filter that you are until perhaps, as some might say, you blend back into divine intelligence. But I have a footnote to share with you on our blending back into divine intelligence. But back earlier, what I was saying is we get to a place of peace through wisdom that was accumulated through our personality's evolution, where we're no longer fearing stuff and to a degree, no longer desiring to change things. Desiring to exist is different than desiring to um, change things. Uh, but neither 
this diminishment of fear or this satiation of desire should be imposed upon you by the intellect. It needs to be wisdom. And that only comes through living your life. So the person who's bored and cowering in their home and doesn't want to go out, okay, you're not done your evolution as a personality finished with time and space. Um, you need to get out and live. And when you get to the place where you feel like, it's so awesome and beautiful here. I could live another 100,000 lives and I'd be so happy. That's when the game's over. That's when you're like, okay, you nailed it. You totally nailed it. Now let us show you all else that there is out there for this spark of light that we are, these God particles that we are. So the answer to answer the question that often comes up, do we start over each lifetime? No, 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 no. One lifetime leads to another, as we interpret it on a physical timeline, and the wisdom gathered in every single lifetime on this believed-in timeline accumulates and is carried over into the next lifetime. And so all of a sudden, you have a young child uh, or a young adult, and they ju they're just so wise. The expression is they're an old soul. The implication is They've learned a lot from other experiences, other worlds, other lifetimes, and they're pretty much even keel, not overly dramatic, not overly afraid, not overly trying to build higher, faster, bigger, better. They're just like, oh man, it's, 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 just, it's all good. It's okay. That's an old soul. They've brought a lot of wisdom with them. That doesn't mean they cop out and they don't want to live anymore. It just means that their feathers are not so easily ruffled. So no, you do not start all over at the beginning of an incarnation. You carry the wisdom forward, but you do not generally carry any of the memories forward of who you were in other incarnations, past or future. I think that's kind of probably just a safeguard because as much as our senses are overwhelmed with the here and now in one lifetime. Can you imagine if you could remember a dozen or 200 or 2,000? Be like, oh, you killed me during the Inquisition. Oh, and you cheated on me. Oh, and you were my best friend and you were my dad long ago. But now, you know, it, where would we get it done? It's not relevant. What's relevant is here and now. And when you are present in the here and now, you summon the truth, fear dissipates, desire is managed, and you start loving your life, okay? And then when you start loving your life and you kind of get to that end point, well, then the memories are going to flood in from prior lives. Peace and joy is going to be prevalent. Uh, that's a good indicator uh, if you're nearing the end of your spiritual evolution. A lot of peace, a lot of joy. If there's a lot of boredom and a little bit of fear, no. Not yet, not yet. It's got to get better and it's going to get better. You're inclined to succeed. Now, the footnote I wanted to share with you about dissolving back into God. I think that's a really freaky, scary idea that I have always found very unsettling. So I've gone there, contemplative thought. Um, I do believe I have some clarity that you'll totally agree with when I share this with you. But the idea is unsettling because... Once you're done your incarnations, and maybe because you're kind of rocking it this lifetime with peace and gratitude and joy, you know, does that mean at the end of this lifetime and very shortly thereafter, you're going to dissolve back into God like a cube of sugar in hot water? And you'll be all gone, all gone. You were just a lens to begin with. Oh man, that's just like f terrible. That's not the way it goes. That is not the way it goes. 
we are playing out our lives right now inside of God. It's not like we go back inside of God and then we dissolve. We're there right now. And even though we're inside of God right now, we haven't lost our identity. You will always be you. And that you exist in time, like this time, and in this lifetime, and in all of your other lifetimes. While time is an illusion, the experience, the memories, the joy, the emotions are eternal. They're real. They will always exist. You will always exist if you insist on asking the question and putting it on a timeline. Okay, people say, if I'm not on a timeline and I blend back into God, it's like all done. They know the eternal now, right? There is only the eternal now. And you, your personality, the filter and lens that you are, will always exist in the internal now and that you go back to God. Well, you're already in God. You never left God. So you never have to be concerned that one day you're just going to kind of be absorbed back into divine intelligence and that'll be the end of the whole story. That, that does not happen. Didn't happen when you got here. It doesn't happen when you go back there. Um, you are an eternal being as you are right now and you will continue to grow. Personality-wise, you will continue to evolve all inside of God. God's intelligence is pre-existent. Um, it is complete. God never stepped down to evolve back. Um, growth is different than evolution. Jumbo fellow adventurers and happy Friday. Thoughts become things. Glad to be with you for another spiritual tune-up. Thanks for the great questions on past life experiences, karma, reincarnation. Today we're going to continue that thread. Many of you have asked uh, about my comments yesterday where I said we do not remember past lives as a rule, uh, but we do carry forward the wisdom from all of our lives. So nothing is lost, but we just don't have those circumstances, people, places, etc. At, at the forefront of our thinking. Um, that was meant to speak in general terms. We're totally capable, as many have evidenced, um, to recall either through meditation, hypnosis, or inexplicably past life experiences. There's some amazing YouTube videos out there, particularly of children who remember names and circumstances, issues uh, of recent past lives. Just absolutely, in my view, indisputable. And, and whether or not they're telling the truth, it's clearly deducibly logical not only that we have these other experiences, but that some folks can remember them. All right, so here's what else we bring forward. Talents, skills, curiosity levels, uh, leanings, interests. If you're fascinated by outer space or tarot card readings or mother nature or you name it, mathematics, uh, writing, creativity, music, and you've honed those skills in other lifetimes, you bring that wisdom and those skills with you into this lifetime. When it comes to speaking about incarnations and reincarnation and past life though, there's often times when people start creating issues where there are none. 
You are not at a disadvantage if you don't remember your past lives. And you are not at a disadvantage if you weren't Beethoven in a past life, but you love music in this life. Don't be thinking that you are somehow at a disadvantage. This is dreams come true. This is thoughts become things. This is why you're here. There's nothing anybody can do in this lifetime that you can't do. And it doesn't matter how many past lifetimes they've been doing it. So do not create barriers or limitations for possibilities, nor your dreams coming true by wondering whether or not you got a leg up in a prior lifetime. The other area where people will impute negativity here is like, well, if I bring over the good stuff, if I bring over my loves and my interests, then I must be bringing over the bad stuff as well. There is no bad stuff in these sacred jungles of time and space. Come on. If you were confused in a past lifetime, if you were ungrateful in a past lifetime, if you were non-cooperative in a past lifetime, if you didn't see the beauty that's everywhere in a past lifetime, yes, you're going to bring that over so that in this lifetime, you can use that golden ticket, that invitation to be raised higher than you have ever been in any other incarnations. That's not a bad thing. So yes, we might bring over confusions. If we haven't learned a lesson yet in prior lifetimes, excuse me, then it is on our plate to learn this lifetime. But that's not a bad thing. We all want to learn these lessons. We're not forced to learn anything. We're like, let me go there now. and Let me be Mike Dooley, tall, bald, and handsome so that I can finally learn X, Y, Z. And that's the part and purpose in part of that lifetime, the gift of that lifetime. So, so don't be thinking about, oh, I'm bringing over this baggage from prior lifetimes, okay? Along these same lines, uh, almost parallel, is the notion of karma, which I have spoken to in several of these spiritual tune-ups, but it bears repeating. Karma is not an absolute law. Karma is a phenomenon. And sure enough, what goes around comes around. Sure enough, we see this happen in our own lives. Sure enough, instant karma in some cases. So karma is a very real phenomenon, but it is not an absolute law. You could call it the law of karma. Look, words slip and fail when applied to truth. Um, it is a law. You know, the, the ultimate karmic law is thoughts become things. What you think about, you bring about. You change your thoughts, you change what you bring about, and it doesn't matter what the score was. Too often people believe that karma is like a scoring mechanism. If you were naughty three times to other people, then three times in the future, somebody and other people need to be naughty to you. If you violated, you must be violated back. If you, you know, not true, not true, not true, okay? The, the, the only literal thing that can be taken out of karma is thoughts become things. If you think it, you will feel it unless you change your thinking before it showed up. And if you change it in time and given your inclination to thrive and be positive and joyful, uh, you've got a lot of wiggle room here. You could be thinking negative thoughts for a long time, thinking thoughts of unpleasant things that could or might possibly happen to you. But in the moment you're on a new level and you understand that you're a being of light, that you're here to thrive, that you're pushed onto greatness, that your positive thoughts are more powerful than your negative thoughts, and you embody that in word and deed. Oh, all that stuff that was building up, yicky, icky poo, and that was about to manifest in your life, 
It just goes to the wayside. So understand that you are not limited by the fact that in your last lifetime, you were a wicked, evil pirate on the high seas. Got, got nothing on you. This lifetime, it's you and your thoughts. And while there may be some vestiges of thoughts of the value of stealing and plundering that you brought over in confusion from a past lifetime, as long as you clarify that thinking in this lifetime and you understand that in no way will you ever make progress um, at the expense of other people and you start living accordingly with gladness and love in your heart, then all of your old karma is immediately washed away. Okay? So it requires new thinking. And new thinking is only a few thoughts away. Not a scorecard away, not lifetimes away, not dues, penance, and penalties away. You're free. You're powerful. Nothing is holding you back. Certainly not the past. Certainly not past lifetimes. And in the same spirit, uh, ancient spiritual contracts. Yeah, they're as real as the law of karma, but they're not absolute. There are agreements. You know, hey, we got along great in the 16th century. Let's let's live in the 21st century and I'll be... Uh, I'll be your best friend and I'll be whatever, whatever. And you agree and you play roles. But when you get here, if at any point it's not working for you or you just changed your mind for no reason at all, the contract is null and void. And it's your right and entitlement. You get to decide what happens to you. You don't owe anybody anything from past lives nor this life. You owe yourself joy, happiness, appreciation, respect. Okay? And that doesn't mean... You choose, you make your choices at the expense of other people. Of course, with love in your heart, you can go in any direction you want and you can say goodbye to anybody you want. With love in your heart, with kindness and respect, honoring to all practical means, um, obligations you have already made, okay? Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!